13. Are we good? We're good. John chapter 13. Verse 33, John chapter 13, verse 33, says, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know, I'm sure the disciples, as they finished that supper and Jesus washed their feet and showed them what it meant to humble themselves and be a servant, and then he, <laughs> then he comes out and says, little children, I'm going to be with you for a little while longer, but then I'm going to go away. And you're not going to see me and you can't come where I'm going. And uh, he kind of like shocked them because uh, they were very fearful after that. And that's why in chapter 14 he says, let not your heart be troubled. He knew that he had told them something that was going to shock them way down into their socks, man. And Peter even said, I, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Peter had to, I mean, Peter had to be rebuked. And Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. In fact, everybody's going to forsake him there at the cross. He was all by himself, all alone. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the disciples are here and they hear this. And he says, a new commandment I'm giving unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Just, I don't know, 12 hours from the cross, he's trying to tell them how, he's going, how they're going to stay together and how they're going to have to knit their hearts together when he's gone. And uh, he set the bar pretty high, didn't he? You know, the old commandment was, still was a good commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The second great commandment. But now he says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Wow, that's a bar that's way too high. For any of us in here to ever meet without Jesus. And then he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. You're going to need Jesus in order to love each other the way he loved us. Amen. He's going to have to do that. The Lord could have chosen a whole lot of different things, I think, to, to signify or distinguish us from all the other people in the world. He could have chose witnessing, knocking on doors and bothering people on their Saturdays, right? And uh, But the JWs do that, don't they? And the Mormons go out and proselytize. So he didn't choose that. He could have chose good works. But there's some unsaved people doing more good works than Christians. So that may not be the best thing to use, you know. He could have uh, used holiness. But man, there's some people that are more holy than I am sometimes. And they're unsaved. But they act more holy than I do. He could have, maybe he could have used tongues. We could all spoke in tongues, then they'd know that we were somebody that was different. But that was going to happen later anyway. Or maybe miracles, where we could just heal people and all. But that was going to happen too. But he didn't choose any of that. He chose this love, one to another, that when the world sees us loving each other the way Christ loved us, that would distinguish us from everyone else. You know, when total strangers can get together 
and the only bind and the only tie they have is Jesus. And they feel absolutely like they've known the person their whole life. It's like it brings them together. I mean, there's some different countries even in this room. But in the church, there's ten countries, I would guess. But the moment you find out somebody's a Christian, it's like, Jesus binds you together. Immediately. And the world sees that and then wonders. What in the world brings these two people to love each other so much? It's Jesus. It's the love that He emits from me and that comes back from the other person. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about His love through us. It's the way that we treat each other. Should I say, the way that we should treat each other. The same way Jesus treated us and loved us. It's a sacrificing love. It's a, it's a giving love. It's a godly love. And uh, it, it's hard to show sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to show. Ask yourself how you're doing. How am I doing with this love? This love one toward another that we're going to be learning about all month. How am I doing with my love toward other Christians? Turn over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This love shows that we're different than the world. This love in us. This love shows that we're saved. You can't have this love unless you're saved. You never had this love until you were saved. I didn't know what it was to love like Jesus. What little times I may do that. That only happens when Jesus has complete control of my life. And He's able to love somebody through me. It shows that we're Christians. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. You can't love unless Jesus is in you. And you and knoweth God. And frankly, He knows us. But that shows that we're different, that we're Christians. That we know God and, and He knows us. Hey, listen, if a, if a thrice holy God can find something in me to love, I certainly ought to be able to find something in you to love. Amen. And you should be able to find something in me to love. Because God is holy. And He looked down at us and He loves us. And we're to love each other. Hey, this plane is a lot different than this plane. You know, we're all just sinners before the cross, right? But we ought to be able to love each other the way Jesus loved us. There's something special. It's almost unexplainable when people can love each other that way that Jesus loves us. I thought about a fly falling into your milk in the morning. That sticks out, doesn't it? Boom! And that's the way our love can stick out in the world like a fly in a glass of milk. That's how different it is. That's how much it sticks out. But that's only because God's love is saturating our lives. You see what it says there in verse 10? In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His Son, His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. 
First of all, you can't live the Christian life without Him. You certainly are not going to be able to show godly love without Jesus. Unless you're living through Him. And He's living through you, in a sense. Why? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to have this unexplainable love with each other? Because it's not natural. It's just not natural to love like that. We're selfish people in the flesh. The carnal part of us is, it's not natural, it's supernatural. It can only happen if Jesus Christ has complete sway over our lives. So it's going to be hard to do without Jesus. This is a different love than the world knows. The world only knows the love, which they call, it's really lust, is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's the love of the world. That's not, that is absolutely opposite of the love of God. It's all self-centered. The love of the world. Our love is to be deep. Like a well. Like Jesus at the well uh, with, uh, with that Samaritan woman. He said, I have some water for you to drink that you'll never thirst again. It should be just like that. Our love should be so deep that you can never find the bottom of it. It'll never give up. It'll never fail. Like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. It's deep. It's clear. It should be transparent. We shouldn't have agendas with each other. We should be open. Yes, you should be able to look at me and say, that's who he is. He's not hiding anything. That's who she is. We're clear like the water in that well. Like Jesus. You look at Jesus, that's who he is. There's nothing hidden. And that's the way we should be with each other. This is who I am. It should be abundant. Jesus said he wanted to give us abundant life. And our love should be abundant and should be satisfying like the water that Jesus gave that woman at the well. It should be enough for you. Our love for each other. The world's love is selfish and self-centered and focused on themselves. 1 John 4.17, look at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. You're going to have to live like Jesus. It's a perfect love. It's a perfect love in imperfect people. It's God's love in us. And you're, the only way that can happen, it takes living like Jesus. It's the, it's, the, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what's so unique about this love? Well, one thing's for sure. It's going to be constantly tested. It's constantly going to be tested. And we find out real quick whether we're carnal or whether we're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. All day long, we see ourselves waffling in and out. It's always going to be tested. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You know, if Jesus loves me, and I love Him, it develops a deeper faith in me. And I can trust Him more and more and more. So when it's tested, I just trust Jesus. He's never let me down. And He's never let you down. So the closer I get to Him in this perfect love, it casts out any fears I may have, and I'm able to just trust Him through everything that happens in my life. And other people sometimes can rub us the wrong way. But it is this love that binds us together in the most difficult of circumstances. It's this, it's this godly love for each other. Look, it's, it's a love that lasts. Dennis and Myra can tell you that. It has not been smooth sailing for 58 years. 58. Yeah. 
Dennis and Myra have been married longer than, I, than I've been alive. Uh, no, no I, a little, little less than I've been alive. I'm 61. But I was like, you got, you got married in 1958. I was three years old. That's amazing. I guarantee you it hasn't been smooth sailing. But it's love. It was God's love in them that kept them together through all those difficult circumstances. First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. Just back a few pages, really. First Peter chapter four and verse eight says this, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Sometimes that's the only way we can get along. Because we do rub each other the wrong way sometimes. But love just smooths it over. It calms the strife and the contention before it even happens. And even when it does, it just kind of says, it's okay, we're going to get past this. We love each other. We're Christians. And that changes everything. It makes us different from the world. We're not here to chop each other's head off and step on each other's shoulders to get ahead. We know who we are. We know what we need each other in order to accomplish anything for Jesus Christ. We need each other. So it's going to get us through some of the most difficult circumstances. Go back to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 says this, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. That's a love that looks past our sins and our faults. And it seeks love. <laughs> Look, every one of us could be very good at pointing out each other's faults if we wanted to. But we love each other. And it just looks past those things. And it loves the other part of us that's, that has Jesus there. And, and that's what draws us together. We seek peace, not contention and strife with each other. We could find it. But we look past it. We're not here to separate each other, especially to be tailbearers and separate friends. We want to bring people together. We want to be at peace with each other. This kind of love doesn't gossip or throw things back up in people's faces to cause strife between friends. Look, it happens. Thank God for forgiveness. Jesus showed us that I forgave you for a lot, Dan. You ought to be able to forgive others. And you ought to have to ask other people for forgiveness sometime for the things we do to each other. But that all is, is it, it's all made well by the love that we have for each other. God's love in us is what smooths it all over. It draws us closer together instead of pushing us apart at the end of the day. It's love. It seeks a different course all the time. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And in verse 12. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Now look, sin is sin. It's just saying that we can get past these things. We're all sinners, aren't we? We all sin every day, whether in thought, deed, or action, or our words. But love can get past that. Fervent charity for each other stops the strife before it even happens. It keeps things from, from spilling over. It covers our faults. It overlooks wrongs. 
doesn't mean the wrong wasn't done, but it can get past it. Because of love. What in the world? How good are we going to be at the end of the day if all we do is look for the wrong in each other and then hold it against each other? The Bible says, hatred stirreth up strife. That's hatred. That's the devil. It's not God. God in us wouldn't do that. But love would cover that sin. That means it forgives. And it looks past it and says, where can we go from here? Hatred in the heart can't stop from stirring things up and causing contention. Hatred does that. God's love between Christians seeks to restore and bring peace and bring about relationships again. Love always looks for the best in the other person. The devil hates it. The devil hates love. He hates it. The world's love for the most part is just like the devil. Selfish. When Christians are to be selfless. Not thinking of ourselves. The world says it's about me. And we're trying to say it's about you. That's what the Bible tells us. To be looking at outward. To esteem others better than ourselves. The world says get. And the Bible says give. It's just the opposite. And then the Bible, uh, the, the devil says, give up. Forget that, living that Christian life. Give it up. Give up those friends of, that are wronging you and doing this. And the Bible says, go on. Get past it. Don't let it, don't let it part you. Don't let it, don't let it split you up. That's the devil. He hates this love. What's so unique about this love? It's a love that binds us together. It doesn't, it doesn't push us apart. What else is unique? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Look in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 13. It's a fruit of our life in the Spirit. That's the only way we can have this kind of love. At least show it to others. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. That means we're going to have to be together. That, we can't work independently of each other. We have to be together. I have to depend on you, and you have to depend on me. That's how love will serve one another. Verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's going to be tested. It's going to be hard. There's nothing easy about it. Because it's, it's a fruit of our life of living in the Spirit of God. So let's face it. We're selfish many times, and people aren't always very lovable. Those are two big mountains that only the Spirit of God can love. Because each one of us can see sometimes in the other uh, in someone else because of our selfishness and someone else isn't very lovable, they're like big obstacles for us. And it can cause problems sometimes between believers. But both can be removed by the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Toward each other. It can, it can smooth those mountains, those big obstacles right out. This love also has to be constantly replenished in us. You can't have the love you had two weeks ago. In fact, you can't have the love you had yesterday. It's got to be today. Today you should ask God, Lord, love through me. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Find that sin in me. And, I'm, and I want to ask you to wash it 
and cleanse me, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. Because I need it today, Lord. I need it if I'm going to show people love, your love. It's a daily filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't depend on yesterday for today's love. It has to happen today. It's about our personal walk with God that's really being tested. Every day, if you find yourself at strife and contention and bitter towards people, then the problem's not with them. It's with you. It's with your walk with God. It's not that everybody is just wonderful and nobody does any wrong, but it's how we handle it. Especially between believers. Because we can be very quickly say, you're out. You offended me. You did me wrong. When love just says, it may not have been the best thing for that person to do. or Whatever, but you know what? I love you way more than what you did. Or what I did to you. The love covers that over. It's not going to cause strife. It takes us to a whole nother level. You think of Joseph and the way he was treated by his brothers. If he didn't have a walk with God, I mean, I'd have slayed them. Boom. The way they treated him, threw him in a pit, hated him, rejected him, mocked him, abandoned him. And Joseph loved them. He cried crocodile tears when he saw them. Because he loved his brothers. You know, look at Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. If you find somebody that's a type of Christ, always find out the type, where, they, where you got it from. Jesus is absolutely amazing in his love for us. I'm not going to find some, some normal passage. I, I, I was directed to Matthew chapter 23 and in verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I think he said that with a broken heart. I think he was looking out over the, over the temple there, and as he left, and he said, I just wanted to, I just wanted to show you that I was your Messiah. And bring you together, and you rejected. They rejected him. I think he said it with tears in his eyes. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. No matter how hard they treated him, and, and it was yet to come, how much they were going to treat him, how badly they were going to treat him, he still loved them. He still loved them. It's a unique love. Now, who or what determines who to love? And to what extent? The Bible. The Bible tells us. Jesus loved all his disciples equally, didn't he? Do you think he loved Judas any less than John? Do you? Of course not. Do you think he loved John more than he loved Judas? No. Judas, I mean, Jesus was never partial. When John says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, he's just expressing what he knew. And we know the same thing. Eric, you're the disciple that Jesus loves. Andrew, Jennifer, you're the disciples that Jesus loves. You know that. All John was doing was saying what everybody else could say. I'm the, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And then he would snuggle up close to him. But look, I am beloved of God. And so are you. God loves me as much as he loves you. He doesn't love you any more than he loves me. In fact, he loves the world. 
What a God. He doesn't look differently at anyone. All of us could say the same thing that John said. We're the disciples that Jesus loves. Peter knew God wasn't partial. Look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and you know the story about Cornelius, Peter. Acts chapter 10, and in verse 33, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore we are we all here present before God, to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter knew that God was not a partial God. The gospel was going out into all the world. Jew and Gentile alike. And the the same is told to us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're to go to everyone. We're not just picking shoes. There's not one door that isn't worthy of a knock and a track. And, and, and to hear the gospel. There's not one soul that isn't worthy. Jesus died for them all. He's not a partial God. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. So we always have to be inclined to show love one to another, this brotherly love to each other. Be kindly affectioned to each other. We can't do that without Jesus. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is, it's really not easy. It's going to be tested. But we can do it. We can do it because God lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 2 says, Fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each other let each esteem other better than themselves. And we will look on others. It says, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So it's honoring each other. It's esteeming each other highly. It's lifting each other up. It's placing the other person above and beyond yourself. Set a great value upon another person. The soul that Jesus saved. Your brother or sister in the Lord. We're to regard each other highly. In James chapter 2, James chapter 2, God is no respecter of persons. And neither should we be. Look, we can have close, dear friends, but that should never over, override our love one to another. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't love one person more than another. We may have closer friends, but Jesus doesn't have ones that he prefers more than others. It's not an easy love. Jesus has to do it. In James chapter 2 and verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. And then he goes through and talks about someone coming in in good clothing or someone coming in in not so good clothing and you sit one person in the good seat and one person in the bad seat. But look down there in verse um, uh, verse 8. If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. That's a good thing. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin. 
and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So look, if we if we love somebody else more than someone else, another believer, we're bold-faced sinners. We're, we're being partial to people. And we're not to be partial. That will cause problems all the time if I'm partial to one person more than another. If I have respect of persons, whether it's rich, poor, black, or white, it makes no difference to God. We're all equal in His eyes. And we should be all equal in each other's eyes if we're going to show the love of Jesus Christ. Any follower of Jesus Christ is deserving of our love. It really is our duty. As Bill said this morning, and was seconded there by Jennifer, that was good. It is our duty. He said, a new commandment I give you. Not a new option for your Christian life. This was a commandment to follow. You will love each other the way I've loved you. You're going to need it in order to get through this wicked world. We're going to have to love each other. That's what second mile Christianity is. Not do it because we have to. We do it because we love Jesus Christ. We do it because we want to. We want to please Him. And He said, I've given you another commandment. You know, the Bible says so. The Bible says we're to love each other. The the verse for the month is, is to love each other the way Jesus loved us. We're family. We have the same fa- the same father. Eric has another brother or another color. Or I don't know what he says there. And and we have the same Savior. Go ahead. You want to say it? All right. <laughs> and we have the same eternal home. We're going to be together forever. Amen. And uh, so we we're supposed to love each other equally. That's all I'm saying. Don't get into cliques. You know how cliques ruin a church. No cliques. If you can't go talk to Tony as well as you can talk to Pastor and then talk to Andrew and, and then talk to Dean, and you all ought to be able to talk to each other. Amen. The same. I'm not saying you don't have friendships. I'm talking about loving each other. How are you doing? I haven't talked to you in a month. We need to do that. Amen. And not everybody has a lockdown on it either. Some of us struggle a little more with that. Being more outward or extroverted, they call it. I do. But Jesus said I'm supposed to love my, my, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, so I'm going to do it. It's my duty. It's a commandment that he's given me. How do we love each other? Here, here's a, this one will ring your bell. You know how we do it? By loving Jesus first and foremost. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? To love him first and most. If you don't, you'll never be able to love me. In fact, if you don't, amen. I'm going to talk to Andrew after the service. The discussion is going to be outside. In love. I'm going to ask the pastor to hold him for me. No, look, we're going to have to love Jesus with all of our heart and soul. And that's what I said. In order for us to love each other, it's a test of our personal walk with God. Because if we can't love each other, then there's a problem between us and God. Because if I love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I should have no problem loving you. Because you, you probably know the, the verse, the things that I see are temporary. The things that I don't see are eternal. And if I can love a God I never saw, I better be able to love somebody I can see that's right before me that lives, that lives with me. Every day. You know, that's just the way it is. 
You're going to have to love Jesus. How do you love each other? Love Jesus first. Make Him your first love. Alright? And then do it sacrificially. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And in verse 16. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. If you see a need, you should meet that need. You should give sacrificially, just like Jesus did. He sacrificially gave His life. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's when the cost becomes very high, but it's no, it's no price that you're not willing to pay. If you really love your brother and sister. It's talking about be a doer of the Word of God and not a talker. You see a need? Meet that need. Romans 5.8 tells us that's exactly what God did. That God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw their need. And He met that need. It's going to happen by, by loving Jesus first, by doing it sacrificially, but it's also got to be by the filling of the Holy Spirit. As I said... Christ in us, the hope of glory. John 15, 5 says, I am the branch, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So you can't love each other without Jesus. won't happen. has to be by the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's no way we can love each other without Jesus doing the loving through us. It's not in us. We can't do anything that Jesus would do, or wants us to do without Jesus. It'll constantly take dying to self. Constantly takes dying to self. The old man cares about the old man. And that doesn't mean this old man cares about that old man in the back of the room. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I care about me. Now come on, you know we care about us. The flesh. Our old man cares about the old man. That's, that's natural. Remember when you were preaching on that. That's just who we really are without Jesus. I care about me. Only Jesus can care about you through me. I can't do it. I, and if you're not honest with yourself, you're going to struggle with it. But until you say the old man has to be crucified, Christ has to love these people through me. Because I can't do it. The world makes a good attempt at it. But we're naturally selfish. And we have to constantly and consciously think of others. It's not going to happen without working at it. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. And uh, Romans 13.8, if you turn there, Romans 13.8. Maybe the Lord knew we had to get home and, and make all of our salads for tomorrow and all that. And uh, get everything ready. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Romans 13 and verse 8. Look at this. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. 
For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Isn't that interesting? All those commandments are really the direct relationship we have with each other. And if we could just love each other and love our neighbors ourselves and love each other as the way God loves us, we would fulfill this law. But we're to owe no man anything but to love one another. If I owe you anything, it's the love of Jesus Christ. It's the love of Jesus Christ. Love your neighbor. Galatians 5.13 says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. We are going to have to be close to each other in order to, to serve one another, depend upon each other in order to serve one another in love. Love will be the prompter of that service. If we're close to each other and depending upon each other, it's the only way it's going to happen. The only way you're going to care about somebody is if you're around them. You're near them. The only way you're going to help them is if you're close to them. That's how love serves one another. The same way that, and then the same way, how do you love each other? The same way you want to be loved. Luke 6.31 says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. So let me just finish with this. Let's love not as we want to be loved, but as Jesus loved us. Because that's really what the verse is telling us. Loving each other is a love that will be tested. It's going to be tested. It's going to be hard. You're going to find it hard. Because we're not always, we're not always filled with the Spirit of God, are we? And people rub us the wrong way, don't they? Yeah. It's a unique love that binds us together. That's what's so unique about it. It binds us together. And the Bible is where we look to find out who to love and to what extent? Just read your Bible. It'll keep coming up now and again. You'll find the, the passages on Joseph and wonder how could he possibly love his brothers like that? Because he had to walk with God. He had to walk with God. No other way it could have been done. The Bible also tells us how to love each other sacrificially. Love Jesus first by the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. And then let's be examples of the perfect love of Jesus Christ toward others. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, dear Lord, for these truths. I know they, they rock us right down to our socks, Lord, when we think about it, what it really means to love each other. Father, we're together in this church. We're family. And uh, Lord, um, things come up. Times get tough sometimes. But ultimately, love uh, Love will keep us together. Love will bind our hearts together and get us past any strife or contention because you love us. We should love each other. So Heavenly Father, take control of our lives. Lord. May we think about it every morning. Today I want to love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're going to have a, we're going to have a day tomorrow, Lord, together where we can just love each other. I pray that uh, everybody up and down that beach knows what's different about those people. They just seem in love with each other. That is a big family down there in the middle of the beach. So Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just just bless these truths to our heart. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.